Well, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, I know some of you didn't want to come. You know who you are. Uh, some of you wanted to come. You came last week and, and you realized that uh, last week we were talking about all the negative things that you have said. And we talked this week about, uh, I told you that this week we are going to talk about the things you should say. And so it's kind of one of these things where last week we were doing like this. This is the bad things that we are saying. And we ended up doing this, putting our hand over our mouth. And now we're going to speak again. We're going to speak again. Um, and this is so important. I, I, I look at these words that we're talking about, and I realize that, um, I, you know, I, when you're a preacher and you're talking about something, you're conscious of it, at least a couple of weeks you're going through it, and you realize uh, the Proverbs are working in me too, and I'm going, oh, that didn't sound so good, and that verse was found there, and that was what I said, and it was wrong, you're like, you're connecting it, and it's this humbling, awful experience, but good as well, um, as I think about that. And then this morning, as we're going to talk about the words that we should be saying, uh, the words of life, uh, I'm excited about is that as well. Um, as we look at this, last week we talked about how words come from your heart. Words come from your heart. I think uh, we love the uh, the phrase of the saying, or we, we say something that is mean and it came from our heart and you say, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Like it doesn't mean anything. Like it's not connected to anything important. I was just talking. Uh, but we realize that it comes from our heart and it comes out through our mouth. Our heart comes out through our mouth. And then, as it comes out through our mouth, it affects our life. And then uh, we kind of ended up with Proverbs 18.21 that says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And we look at these two things, that your words are either death or, or life, and that, that your tongue is extremely powerful, extremely powerful, and so if we can harness that, if we can direct that, if we, uh, by God's grace, can use what God has given us, uh, it can be for powerful good uh, in our world, our family, in our jobs, in our community. Um, we struggle. We struggle with our tongue. Uh, if I could get a show of hands, uh, um, we would all be raising our hand. And if we didn't, that just means that none of our family members are here for accountability. And they say, who's doing this thing? I want to remind you also that the book of Proverbs is not just a book about how to live well in this world. Um, it's how to live well in right relationship with God. If you look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, um, at the beginning, at the outset, as a father... Uh, our father God wrote to a father or gave to a father that he might give to his son a message. He says this, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This concept of fearing the Lord is the idea of looking to Him exclusively, primarily that, that picture of that being the most important relationship that really defines all other relationships and gives us our marching orders on how to live. 
It's the fear of the Lord. It's the idea that we look to Him and we say, what do you think of what I am saying, doing, acting, and living? He is the one. And I want to encourage you this morning that maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ, that, that you don't have a relationship like that with Him. And, and I don't say that in saying, uh, too bad for you, but rather, that's where you start. That's where you start in relationship with Him. You say, well, I can't control my tongue. Uh, you can't, but He can. And in relationship with Him, you'll have all the resources and power uh, to be a different person. You say, well, I come from a long line of loose tongues. Uh, we are good at slicing and dicing people and sinning with our tongue. I come from a family line like that. Um, you know what? Uh, you need to be born again. You need to be born again and to be changed. Uh, it's not that we don't have the resemblance of our parents, but rather uh, he places in us a new heart, one that beats after his own and, and resembles him and not uh, the sinful things and patterns that we've been placed into. So let me pray once again as we uh, look to God's word. God, thank you for this morning. I pray that uh, your word would uh, do its transforming work in our heart. The, your spirit, as it's inspired this, would also be at work in us and to uh, reform us uh, from the inside out. Uh, God, I, I ask that you would help us to see clearly uh, what it means for us to speak in a way that's uh, honoring to you. Um, God, I pray that these would be soothing words, even as the proverb says, uh, that they would not um, be ones that are hard to hear in a sense that um, they come from a prideful man to prideful people, but that that they would be ones that we would hear from you and we would love your kindness to us and your mercy that you would change us. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Turn to Proverbs 27, verse 5. I want to start there this morning. And I want to just tell you and remind you, um, we've looked at some of the Proverbs that talk about silence and not saying many words uh, because the sin that would follow. And so some of you, um, males primarily, uh, take this as, I'm just going to clam up. I'm just going to shut down. And uh, I realized that there's all this sin in my heart, and if I open my mouth, it's going to come out. I'm just not going to say anything, and not going to say anything. But I want to remind you, uh, chapter 27, verse 5 says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. The picture there is this, is the idea of even confrontation instead of saying, I, I've got stuff in my heart that's just kind of hidden away that you'll never see come out. And the picture here in Proverbs is that there is sinful speech, which better than saying sinful speech is that we would not say anything at all, but that also that there are times to speak, times to speak. And so I want us to be clear here this morning at the outset, there's even time where it's sinful not to speak that you should not be quiet. That there's things going on around us that, that as we see them, it, it is wrong for us not to say something. 
You think about in your home if um, you, you have a, a young child and uh, there's some cooking going on in the kitchen and uh, there's a flame from the, the stovetop and the, the, the child you know, is walking. They get that look like, I'm going to go see what that flame's doing. And, and the mom says, you know, I, I, would, I, I would stop him, but I, I don't want to say any unkind word. You know, I'm, I'm afraid to say something. You know, kids should allow, be allowed to be kids. And, you know, they should be able to choose their own way. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yell if you have to, right? Whatever it takes. Why? Because there's times to speak. And I use a small child and everyone's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about your teenager? What about your teenager? Oh, I just, you know, they're making their own decisions. Don't let them. Stop them. Lock them. Handcuffs, whatever, you know, why? Because some of the things that some of the things are danger, danger. You say, oh, yeah, teenagers, yeah, they're, they're a problem. Nuh-uh. You know what? Sometimes in our marriage relationship, some things need to be said, right? But there's a, a sense that that because you love one another, things need to be said. You think about your siblings and even your parents and it's not the idea, oh, we'll just be silent. We won't say anything. <laughs> they're going down a sinful path. They're wrecking their life. You know, just they're choosing their own way. Proverbs doesn't talk about that. It says talk about it. It says confront that. And so we're going to look at some of the words of life this morning. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8 and 9. Once you, we start there this morning, and I, once again I have ten things that speech that is life, or words that are life uh, for you this morning. Chapter 31, verses 8 and 9 says this, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of those who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. I'm I'm struck by the idea of open your mouth. Do not be silent. As you look around in your spheres of influence and in your um, points of contact, to allow someone who cannot speak for themselves, who cannot stand up for themselves, to watch them uh, be ran over and for us to say, well, you know, I'm just taking care of myself. It's not right. And so some of the words that we are to speak are to speak for those who are weak, for a week. To, to see those people that are weak and say, if they can't speak for themselves, I will, I will. To speak for those who are weak. Number two, if you want to turn over to uh, Proverbs chapter 15, hold your finger in 31, we'll be back there, but chapter 15, verse 7. Verse 7 says this, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of the fool. Spread knowledge. You know what that is? That's speaking. That's the picture of, of being a teacher of wisdom. Teacher of wisdom. If you flip back over to chapter 31, we looked at this last week when we considered mothers. Chapter 31, verse 26. And I love this. It's such a beautiful picture of what it is that moms are supposed to be talking about. 
It says of, of the beautiful woman, the, the woman that is beautiful in God's eyes and a blessing to her family, it says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. You get that? So, so what are we supposed to be talking about? What are the words that are supposed to be coming out of our mouth? They're words of wisdom. They're words of wisdom. And I, I want to be uh, careful here. Uh, most of us think we are wise, and so we think that anything that we would say would be wisdom. That's not true. That's not true, is it? Is it? Sometimes we say things that are downright foolish. And so there's a, a picture here of this, that what we say... Uh, it, it should be as a teacher teaching wisdom. And you say, well, how do I know if I'm teaching wisdom or not? If it comes from you, it's not wise, okay? And if it comes from God, it is. If you're the source of wisdom, it's not wise. But if it comes from God, the God who made you, it's His, it's wisdom. And coupled with that, the teaching that we should be doing in the picture that's a blessing is wisdom. And in the, the second part of that, in chapter 31, she also teaches kindness. She teaches kindness. I wonder, how, how does she teach kindness? Probably in the way she teaches, huh? Probably in the way that she communicates, the way she models that, the way she values that in others. Well, what should be the words that we're talking about? Wisdom and kindness. Teaching, teaching wisdom and kindness. I, I want to uh, just, I was going to talk about this later, but it seems more fitting now. Um, so what happens when I, you hear my voice? What happens when I hear your voice? Um, picture yourself, I'm going to call you, and you. I've called you before, and you have one of those those newfangled devices called a mobile phone, and uh, you, uh, I dial your number, and it comes up, and on your phone it says Kevin Bosler. What do you think? Oh no, he's such a pain. Every time, oh, I can't stand talking to him. Should I pick it up? I wonder if he's seeing me right now. You know. Uh, Oh, I don't want to talk to him. He just always, he just blabs about things. He's always bragging, you know. He doesn't ever have anything good to say. I always feel discouraged when I hear his voice. I want to ask you the question, what happens when you're talking? Is it a benefit to those around? See, that's a, that's a picture of of this, what we have talked about, right? It brings life. It brings life. Your words bring life. Is it something where, you know, there was an old commercial many years ago for a financial planner. Some of you remember it if you're a little bit older. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. You know, there's a sense of, oh, yeah? Is that how people listen to you? Or, or when they hear your voice, they're like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to hear anymore. Because it's not a benefit to me. It doesn't bless me. It doesn't change me. It doesn't make me stronger. Do you get the picture? If you're a teacher of wisdom and kindness, 
that you are imparting by your model and what you say, you are making that person better. That's a, that's a school you should pay for, right? That's something that you need to get. And what we're talking about this morning is that we should be people that when we talk, we talk, people like to hear us because they're so blessed by what we say. Be a teacher of wisdom and kindness, and this will happen. Coupled with that, if you turn over a few pages to uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9. This flows right in with what I was talking about. Verse 9 says this, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. You think about that, and some of you ladies were going, see? See? I like all those fine creams and, uh, you know, the perfumes. They just, they make me happy inside. He was taking that as a fact, that that, that is true. That is true. And in a similar sense, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? You say, oh, I'm in a big problem. I need to talk to so-and-so. And and who do you want to talk to in those situations? They've got to be two things. Two things. They need to have wise counsel, right? They need to be one who walks with God. And you say, I always get God's perspective from them. And then the second thing you want is someone who loves you intensely, who wants your best, right? And and what's the picture there? Is that that person who would counsel you is a sense of sweetness and richness that comes. It's a sense of, ah, that's where I want to be. I think about that and I think, I want to be that kind of friend. I want to be that person who gives that kind of counsel. That I, I walk with God. I, I want to walk with God so that when my counsel comes out, it's not my own ideas, but it is what God has said. And I want to love people in such a way that my words are connected with God, with them, with, with my heart for them. And as I pour that out, to them it's sweetness. You get that picture? So our words should be words that are of wise counsel, wise loving counsel, I would even like to say. That was number three. Number four, number four, if you turn over to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. I think about, um, and I want to tell you this too, okay? I'm learning just alongside you, okay? We're walking this road together. Uh I figured all this stuff out this week, and I'm waiting for you guys to catch up. Not even close. Not even close, okay? I'm working this out alongside you. We'll work, we'll work this out together. Um, but, but I think about this. There's six members in our household. What would it be like? What kind of power would be in my home if the six of us would have words like this? 
Think about your home and the, the power that comes from people who are, are careful with their words and are, are living their life in step with the Lord. Man, that would be unstoppable, wouldn't it? And so this is why this is so important to me as we consider uh, what it is, the words that we might say. Chapter 11, verse 30 says this, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. It's interesting that um, the one who is uh, wise and wise with their speech is involved in drawing people to the gospel. I realize this is in the Old Testament, but the picture here is this. It's not drawing to Christ, but drawing to the hope of the Messiah in God to point people to the God who knows everything, who created them. And you get this picture of the wise one with his words is constantly looking for others to share the good news with, to connect others. They're purposed in their words. You know what? There's nothing more important that we could talk about than what Jesus did for people. How much he loves them. How holy he is. How worthy of our praise. How we've offended him. And to bring that to people, it's, a, it's wisdom that we would draw others into a saving relationship with their Creator. So the words that we should speak, the words of life, are those that are soul-saving. Obviously, the, the most important thing when you're talking about words of life is to give life to someone that's found in Jesus. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 23 Proverbs chapter 28, verse 23 says this, Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. We talked about flattery last week, didn't we? And, and sometimes that was hard for us to get our head around that that was bad. That that is not good. That is not the idea of manipulating people and setting them up with your words of kindness. It's not true kindness. It's not good. And now this verse, as we look at it, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Words of rebuke, words of rebuke are words of life. It's not that you should find it your ministry to be the rebuking ministry. I'm really good, I'm really good at finding fault in others and telling them about it. God's made me good at it. He's blessed me. I have the gift of rebukes. You know. I, I want you to get this picture here. It, it is not that we like having awkward confrontation. We, we, we don't like that. We're talking about that in our family. And um, one of my sons uh, said, you're just good at having awkward conversations, Dad. And I said, I'm not, son. In fact, I dread it all the time. I back them up, you know, I, I have these conversations that I know, I, I don't like it. But, but get this picture, get this picture clearly. What is, the, what is the point of this verse? Look at it again. Whoever rebukes a man, it'll be fun. 
Is that what it says? Whoever rebukes a man, he'll love it. No. Afterward. Afterward. It's the the point of being committed to someone and loving someone and understanding God's best for them deserves rebuke. Not that you can point out someone's fault and go, ha ha, you missed it. You blew it again. Just wanted to point that out. It's the idea that the rebuke is an act of love, that you love the person so much that you're willing to point out something that's dangerous for them and not God's best for them. That's what a rebuke is. And when will that it'll turn to favor? Afterward, right? Afterward, that someone would have dared to say, dared to point that out in grace, saying, this is for your best. More than the one who flatters with his tongue. The one who flatters uh, sees something awful about to happen and say, hey, you got a nice pair of shoes on today. Like it matters. Like it matters. Words of rebuke are words of life. I want to give you one other verse about rebuke. It's in chapter 24, verse 25. This is so uh, is so interesting to me. Um, even in a sense of those who won't listen, listen to this, but those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing will come upon them. That strikes me. Sometimes we say, well, they're not going to listen. You don't care about them. You know, they're, they're just wicked people. Hey, if God gives you opportunity, the rebuke is something of words of life. Words of life. We move on. Number six. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 15 says this. Look, look over. It should be on page or right around there. This is a super important uh, point for us as fathers. Chapter 25, verse 15 says this. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. What does that mean? A soft tongue will break a bone. Um, let me say it this way. If you're yelling, no one's listening. No one's listening. If you're prone to yelling, talking loud, you've given up your power. You've given up your power. They may hear you yelling. They may hear the tone. They may run for cover, but if you want to have a powerful message, the one that can do be, be pertinent and even break a bone, what is it? It's the soft word. It's a soft word. Boy, that's counterintuitive, isn't it? It's something where we're going, no, that doesn't make sense. If you talk softly, no one will listen to you. Uh, no, it's the complete opposite. It's if you want to have powerful words, be one known for the soft word, the direct one. I look at this this verse here, and you know I prepped you, dads. This one's for you, isn't it? We we think we think it's time to be tough. 
We think yelling and demeaning people is the way to go. But the soft word, the soft word with patience, it's the idea that you can, you can overtake a ruler. You can break a bone with that. Isn't that interesting? That's God's way of speaking. If you look over uh, one of the other uh, verses that, that is important to our family, it needs to be, it often is. It's not because we do it well, it's because we need to be reminded. Verse 5, chapter 15, verse 1. Same idea here. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I've described this before, but I'll do it again. You know how this works, right? Does anyone have any examples of this? From this morning, this week? A soft answer changes the conversation. It just changes it. It, it, it. it sets it on a new course. Something blows up in your household. A soft answer will change everything. But you know what? So will a harsh word. Um, it, what a harsh word is, it's a, um, a bottle of lighter fluid that you take the cap off and you just douse the thing with it, right? Boom! But a gentle answer, complete opposite, right? It turns it away. It shuts it down. Once again, powerful words. Men and women, um, I I want you to hear this. If you want to have powerful words in your home, learn the soft answer. It's not that your words will be even different. It will be in how you communicate them. The words of, uh, of, of life are those calming and soft words that, that bring it down a notch and sense the uh, communication and open those things up that you might be a family that can communicate together and encourage one another. Or choose the opposite where you light the place on fire. Everyone goes to their corner mad. That's just hypothetical. You've never been there, nor have the Boslers. Now on to the next point. That was number six. Gentle and calm words. Gentle and calm words. Number seven. Uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14. This is kind of a hard hard one to get to, but I think we'll all understand it if we if you give it a moment here. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14 says this, Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. I think of the many times I've, I've been to a high school camp. And, um, you know, there's, and, and some, I was this guy, I'll, I'll admit that to you. Maybe it was just the annoying youth pastor in me, but... Um, you know, kids want to stay up late, and they're they're messing around, and they won't go to bed. And I've told them twelve times, and um, you know, threatened them with bodily harm and everything else. And and then the next morning, uh, we're getting up, and they're a little groggy. Good morning. Oh, get away from me! You know, um, is it bad to say good morning? No. No, it's a good message, right? It's, it's good to be kind and cheerful in the morning. But when you're over the top, 
It's not taken as that, right? It's not a timely message. It's not a timely message. There are times for you to be exuberant and, and to say, boy, I love you. I'm, I'm excited to see you. And you say, could you do it in a couple hours? You know, just give me a coffee, please. Coffee, you know. The, the picture there is making sure your words connect with the situation. We have other um, passages about this. That was 27 verse 14. Turning over a few pages, 25 verse 11. Twenty-five verse eleven says, "A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the setting of silver." You get that picture. You see this solid gold apple and this silver, and you say, "Can I give this to you?" You say, "Yes." I, it looks ugly, but it's valuable. I, I love it. I'm attracted to it because it, it's it's so. And that's a word fitly spoken. It's the idea that that word fits the situation. I want to, this may be um, earth shaking for you, but your words have to fit the situation. This is not a one size fits all. Uh, Sometimes we have a, a speech lined up about responsibility. Parents do this. The responsibility speech. Number three. Um, and it's not the time for it. But you kind of like number three. It's one of your favorite ones. And your your son or your daughter is sitting before you and you say, bam, hit, the, hit, hit that speech. Number three, here it comes. And they're going, I've just been crushed. And you're talking on and on and on. You think about... Um, uh, no, I can talk about this situation. Um, what about what about uh, the problems of raising small children when someone's just had a miscarriage? Is that the right t- time to talk about those things? No, it's not. Is it the right time when someone has just lost a spouse to complain about your spouse? No, it's not. And, and what it is, what, what the picture here is, this idea of timely words, is that we don't just talk about what we want to talk about, we're looking at our audience. We're looking at the people we're desiring to communicate. And we ask the question, in relationship to the Lord, what do they need to hear right now? You know, parenting is, is exhausting. It is hard. And, and parents, if we could slow down, if we could slow down, and in the midst of the heat of the battles that we face and are fighting that we could stop and say, Lord, what do my kids need to hear right now? Not what do I want to say right now? Not what speech do I like best? What good old uh, old-timer story do I want to tell right now? But what do they need to hear? What do they need to hear? We struggle because of our selfishness of wanting to hear ourselves talk to get the right message for the right time. I want to give you one uh, one more verse because this is an important one. Uh, chapter 15, verse 23. I love the way this is spoken. Uh, 
it says what we've been talking about in the positive, and it says this in verse 23, 15, 23, sorry. Uh, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. How good it is. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Makes you smile. It's, it's something that, that blesses, that blesses that timely word. Um, let me be honest with you. Uh, this does not come naturally to any of us. If you just say, oh, I just say whatever comes to my mind. Uh, go back to the duct tape method and reload, okay? Don't say whatever comes to your mind. Be thoughtful as you, you consider those things and be timely as you deliver them. That was number seven, timely words. Number eight, honest words. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19. Honesty is um, obvious, right? It's just hard, isn't it? It's hard to be honest. Reminder, um, in verse 19, it says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. The idea that uh, honest words are, are, are the thing that endure, the, the thing that will set you on a course, a good course for the future. Proverbs 19, verse 1, also speaks of this, and it says, says this, Better is a poor person who walks in integ- with his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. It's good. Uh, it's good to be upright in the eyes of God to be speaking it, even if it costs you. Even if it costs you. This is number nine, honest words or words of life. Uh, that was number eight. Number nine are thoughtful words. If you look over at um, chapter 15, verse 28, um, it kind of connects what we have already spoken of. But But it's not just the words that are timely. It's that we think before we talk. Verse 20, 28 says this, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Um, we, we should think before we talk. I, I know we t- tell our kids that, that. You need to think before you talk. That's not just for uh, kids. That's for us as well. You look at uh, Proverbs 18, verse 13. It also speaks of this. Chapter 18, verse 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. Uh, in our world today, uh, it is, it's not treasured to have a thoughtful answer. It's just give an answer, right? You're pressured to do so. Proverbs, as a father was speaking to uh, a father and giving that to his son, he says, son, be careful. Don't be one who speaks quickly, but one who processes, who listens, who thinks, and then who answers, knowing that your words mean something. I I think about my own life and how, how rarely do I stop and just think about what I need to say. 
before I give an answer. But I want you to know that if I'm to have words of life, they'll be thoughtful words. Words that will uh, be ones that uh, have been processed in my own heart before the Lord. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, number 10. And to be honest, um, this is my favorite. That's why it's number 10. We're going to leave with a bang. Um, in fact, I think about this last one and I think um, you'll be popular. You can make and charge a lot of money if you're this person. And why? Because it's rare to find someone like this. It's rare. It's something that I don't see many places in my world today. And I look in my own heart and I rarely do this. And I, and I go, boy, I want to be that kind of guy. I, I want to be, and, and it's the picture of encouragement. Look at uh, chapter uh, 12, verse 25. I, I love this. What a picture of what it is we should be. And once again, I think of fathers. Most of you know... Um, our boys play baseball, and so we're in baseball season right now, and so I'm in the midst of fathers and son relationships, and it's awful. It's just, it's just awful. Um, it's just awful. The uh, a kid doesn't catch the ball, and father yells at him, you got to catch that. And I'm just waiting for some son to turn around and go, oh, is that what I did wrong? It's obvious. And instead of encouraging, men were good at just smashing people into the ground over and over again, pointing out their failures. 12 verse 25 says this, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Makes him glad. I, I think about that, and I think uh, anxiety, anxiety, uh, being anxious and being all wound up inside. Do any of you need to be taught that? Reminded to be anxious? Hey, you need to worry a little bit more. You need to be burdened about the things. That, no, we're that naturally, right? That's just part of us being struggling with sin and living in a sinful world, right? got all these burdens that weigh us down. You've walked in this morning with that, right? But I want want to tell you that you want to be the person, you want to be the person who it talks about in verse 25, who brings a good word that makes him glad. You want to be the one who lifts up those around you. That's the question of the telephone, isn't it? When you uh, see my name come up on your phone, what are you going to think? Oh, I'm super excited to hear Kevin encourage me. Uh, Some of you, once again, you you think you have the gift of discouragement. That when you come around, you, you, you have to spread the Eeyore cloud, right? You have to let that go around you, right? You know what? That's what we do naturally. That's what we do because of being a struggling with sin in a sinful world. 
But what it is to walk by the Spirit of God that in relationship with Him is we're thinking about one another and we're saying, how can I bring a good word to you? How can I bring a good word to my son or my daughter? How, how can I bring a good word to, to my mom or dad who's struggling? How, how can I, I have this friend who I know they're in a difficult place. How can I bring them a good word that they might be glad that I showed up? That I was somehow God's messenger into that situation. These are the kind of words I want to talk about. These are the kind of words that I want to be a part of my life and be on my lips every day. Because you know what? I know that if that's true, God's power will be involved in my life. God's power will be involved in my home, at this church, for you guys as well. Powerful things will happen in your life as you watch what you say. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. I pray that these words uh, would not just be heard, but that they would be implanted in our hearts, that they would mark us, that they would um, be reminders as the Holy Spirit works in us and reminders during the week when we step outside of them. And they might also be reminders when you do your work in us and we say, and we say, that's what I want to do. Do it again. God, thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. You are dismissed.